0: Welcome to the My Prince Story Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Marshall. Each episode, we speak with someone that loves Prince so much. Because I'm dying to know how you found Prince, how Prince has impacted your life, and why you love Prince in the first place. And today, our guest is a gentleman by the name of David. David works in education and is a lifelong Prince fan. And without further ado, let's get to that conversation. David, let's start out with a little bit about you, a little background information. What do you do for a living and where are you living right now?
1: Well, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I have been in education for 23 years. And actually, uh, this upcoming year is going to be my first year out of the classroom. I've transitioned into a facilitator position. So um, when we start classes on Monday, I'm going to be pretty sad because it's going to be the first time that I haven't really had a group of students of my own. So, yeah, um, 2020 has has been crazy, to say the least. So a lot of changes.
0: So you have an entire career in education then? Yes.
1: um, I've been a seventh grade language arts teacher in North Carolina for 17. No, for A lot of years. Let's just say that. Um, (laughs) My first six years, was um, I taught in New York City, in Washington Heights. Essentially, that's been my entire career. I played college basketball in New York City uh, while I was getting my um, undergrad and my master's degree. And then um, I went right into teaching.
0: So who do you think would win in a one-on-one? You were Prince back in the day.
1: I don't know. I mean, it looks like (laughs) he was a baller. Everything I hear, that man had a jumper and he had a handle. So... um, (laughs) (laughs) We would have just kept scoring on each other. I wouldn't have been able to stop him and he wouldn't have been able to stop me. (laughs) Listen, I don't ask for a
0: lot in life. I just want to see a picture of Prince in some basketball shoes. You know, he's said it many times in interviews that you're never going to catch him in a pair of jeans. You're never Mm -hmm. just going to catch him wearing a pair of sneakers. He did have a couple pair of sneakers, but they were modified for him, you know. But I would love just to see him in some Nike high tops.
1: Maybe they had some heels on the back of them or something. Right.
0: The reason why you and I are having a conversation is because we have a mutual friend, Christy, that hooked us up. Your first line of your email made, you know, people say LOL all the time, but it made me laugh out loud. Your email began with that you were offended. <laughs> 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 that that it's possible that I could be a bigger uh, lover of Prince than you. So it turns out your, I hate to use the word fandom, but your love for his art, it started a long time ago. Tell me okay. about
1: that. It started um, hanging around my my two older sisters. They were, they were much older than I was. And it must have been around 78, 79, 80, where I started to hear this musician. And it was just, it was different than anything else I ever heard before. Then I saw some of the album covers And I was just something. It just brought me to it. The music just attracted me. And um, I've been I've been hooked on Prince music ever since. And then as I was getting older, um, just his vibe, you know, I just I was just so much feeling his vibe and the way that he uh, he brings spirituality into his music and just him being just such a perfectionist and being so dedicated to his art. That is just something that has always uh, drawn me to him. And it seemed seemed like all the ups and downs that I've had in my life, he's always had an album or he's always had some some piece of art that has helped me through those times. So, yeah, I I can't agree with that
0: more. I, I feel like that's one thing a lot of people can talk about how he's probably the best guitar player that's ever lived. Yeah, uh, there there are a lot of things where you can say he's the best at this, he's the best at that. I don't think people talk about his writing enough. His songwriting, just like you said, there's there's something there's a flavor for everything I've gone through in my life, good and bad, where that's what I used as my medicine, and it goes all the way back. Like you're talking about, you you got hooked on Prince in the beginning. Like I didn't get hooked on Prince until what some people consider the beginning, like around 1982. But especially for the Purple Rain album, that's what hooked me. Mm-hmm. But um, but you're you're going way back to like controversy days and maybe even a little before.
1: I mean, all all the way back to the beginning and just the, you know, you you mentioned about uh, his writing, the subtleties, you know, the things that you don't realize until you um, read the lyrics or you listen to it later, or you get a little older and they have a different meaning. He was so ahead of his time. That's (laughs) what people don't understand. I'm still hearing things now for the first time and I'm just blown away. I'm like, uh, Like, where did he get this from? How did he even think about that way back then, you know?
0: You've taken the words right out of my mouth. That's the way it is even from when he was starting. Think back to when you were 17 years old. (laughs) Prince was already playing like 13 instruments that think more at the age of 17 and he wrote produced all that stuff, you know, for the, uh, for the album for you. And even the lyrical content of his first album, I think of my maturity level and anything I might've been good at at the age of 17, I'm coming up blank. You know what I mean? <laughs> 17. I just wanted a girl to like me. That's yeah. all I cared about. And Prince was already all of that And he didn't just sit on and go, I have a lot of talent. I can coast on this. Somehow he built on that. And every single year, every album, it just got deeper and stronger. It's, It's absolutely incredible.
1: He continued to evolve. You know, he and I wouldn't even say he tried to to get with the times. He just evolved in, in his own creativity. And it just it, it amazed me that, you know, when I was in college, I was so fortunate. I feel that he always had another album coming out. You know, something was always coming. And, you know, I had always had something to look forward to. And, you know, it like I said before, it helped me through a lot of tough times. You had mentioned um, for you that was like The first song, you know, it was it's what started that album. And it just blew me away, like to to hear his voice and to hear it layered on top of, of each other and to know that. That whole album, he played all of the instruments at that age. I mean, come on. I mean, I didn't know it at that time as a kid, but when I became an adult and and read about it and, and learned about it, you know, this this guy came from outer space. He didn't come from Minneapolis, <laughs> right?
0: Especially when you hear songs like going back to his earlier albums, like uh, like Annie Christian. The lyrical content is so edgy, but the guitar and that everything about it, there was nothing being made in 1979, 1980 that sounded anything like any no. Christian. So where does that come from? He's clearly not from Earth. Yeah. <laughs> when you look at it that way. And that's such a deep song. And he, he's hitting on some really strong issues. People I hear people say that I'm so glad Prince wasn't political. Really? Have you listened to his music? (laughs) Prince was very political from sign the times to colonize mind to anti-Christian man. He He was already
1: deep in it. Yeah. Ronnie talked to
0: Russia. I mean, mm -hmm. all right. So
1: just don't, don't realize that
0: now you, you have mentioned to me in the email that your love for Prince started early in 79. The real album that grabbed you is parade.
1: Oh man. Let me tell you, when I took that tour of Paisley park, and I walked into that room and it was kind of like the under the cherry moon room or whatever goosebumps if, to say. that, I mean, come on. I mean, I almost just fell to my knees, you know, to see some of those artifacts. I don't know if it was just that time in my life that it, it had such a huge impact on me. I, um, I lost my father in, in 1983 and then um, just, you know, that that movie came out, I would say, a, a few years after that. And when Prince, well, when Christopher Tracy dies at the end of the movie, it it, it, it it was so sad to me. It was almost as if Prince had died and I was dealing with the death of my father over again. But then mountains hit right at the end, like the movie was over and then they performed mountains at the end. And to me, it was like the resurrection. You know, he wasn't really gone. He was still yeah. here. Wow. And then just that whole album, man, just every every song touches you in in a different way. So that that's my number one. I have so many debates with Prince fans over, over what's his, his best era. And to me, that was the best era.
0: It's one of your favorite albums, so you've probably listened to it with headphones or earbuds in. Uh, one thing that I love about the Parade album that sometimes you can pick up on other Prince songs, but specifically he was toying with this a lot. If you're listening with headphones on, you're going to hear that he has different background vocals in the right side than he does the left side. So I'll have like Lisa and Susanna over here and Wendy and somebody else over here. And there's something about having those two become a harmony within your head, right? You're making the connection in your head. I I know that sounds weird the way I'm describing it, but but for those listening to the podcast, go throw on specifically the song mountains and listen through headphones There's something about those background vocals that just electrify the song. And I've been saying it for years. Anybody that will listen to me, I'll say, go listen to that in stereo with headphones. It's one of the better produced albums, in my opinion. But there are a couple songs on there that that are my all time favorite of any artist of all time. Um, You Need Another lever, Like You Need a Hole in Your Head. Are you kidding me? How was that not a number one hit? I love that song so much. It's hard to listen to sometimes it snows in April now though for obvious
1: reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in retrospect, it is it is now. I gotta tell you, and this, this is not an exaggeration. There must have been I would say at least two straight years that I listened to Mountains that song every single day. <laughs> no at kidding. Some, at some point in the day, that is my my all time number one song, hands down. Just the arrangement of that song. Say that Every time I'm, I I'm
0: so glad you said that I was watching a YouTube video of Wendy and Lisa. They were doing a Q and a with their fans, which by the way, love the revolution, love Wendy and Lisa, love Brown, Mark, the whole, uh, Dr. Fink. Oh, I love them all. Uh, can't forget They were talking about how Prince Was always challenging the band But the band would also challenge Prince musically Prince liked to come up with something Just off the wall and ridiculous And then present it to the band So the band would just be like Whoa So he still had that in him Where he, it excited him to surprise his band Even on their last album together And that came in the song Mountains At the end All of a sudden The key of the whole song changes Which is a rare thing to do to change the key of the song during the song, right? And Prince made it work. And when he showed Wendy and Lisa, they were talking about it in this Q&A on YouTube. They were just blown away. They're like, how does he do this? He found another way to completely turn a song on its head. Wow! It's amazing.
1: That's what I mean about the subtleties. You know, just those little things just sets him apart from from everyone else. And those are things that he would he would never say. He would never publicize. You right. just have to be engrossed in in listening to it. And it was more the feel. You know, I would never be able to explain it the way you just did because I'm not really musically inclined that way. But I feel it when you when you explained it. I felt it. You know, I knew exactly what you were talking about. No other. artist has that, I
0: feel. And would you agree, especially since you're an educator, he was secretly educating us on music. He's like, all right, yeah, cool. You love when doves cry, sweet. All right, but listen to this. So then he starts throwing this other stuff at us. He's like pulling us in with the pop stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. But then he's
0: making us fall in love with jazz. Yeah. He's, oh, yeah. he's making R&B lovers fall in love with rock. He's making rock lovers fall in love with R&B. Right. Mm-hmm. He's switching everything up because I know people that love Prince that are metalheads. I know people that love Prince, love jazz or love or love like, you know, like New Jack Swing was was my thing in high school. But Prince was my thing in high school. You know what I mean? So he had a way of uh, secretly mixing in the vitamins into our into our meals. You know, what he, gave, I mean?
1: he, gave, he gave you a little taste of everything. Yeah. You know, and, and you you may not have been ready for it, but then you would hear it and you would just it would blow you away. And then you would like I would always share it with other people in my college. They they hated it because I would make people <laughs> listen to different songs and they were like, wow, that's Prince. It's like, yeah, that's Prince." They would say I never knew he played this type of music
0: still to this day. I get that. I didn't know Prince did that. Yeah.
1: And then he exposed me to so many other artists. Like I was never really into Joni Mitchell. And then I just, I just got into Joni Mitchell because of him. And now um, I've just recently really got into um, Judith Hill, like listening to to her and turn up. I've been listening to that song every day recently. It just, even now, you know, even after he's passed away, he's still teaching me.
0: Yeah. And Prince got me into Janelle Monae. Oh, yeah. I, I saw her in concert. She melted my face. I'm in love with Janelle Monae, her art, her writing, her live shows. And she even did like this unusual Prince tribute where she stepped away and wasn't a part of it. It was kind of like a musical part of her show. And she wanted to make sure the honor went to Prince. And she didn't say a word about it. She let it happen. Then, then came back out. And I thought, can you be more classy? Because I don't think so. The way she did that, the way she just let it be what it was. Yeah, or her love for Prince, and she didn't, and she didn't want any spotlight on her. Damn.
1: Just the respect for, for true musicians. I mean, yeah. he kind of spelled it out with, with musicology, but um, that was right. the essence of, of who he was. Like, Nika Costa, I I, I I caught on to her late, but um, just that that vibe. Mm-hmm. I, I just I just was in love with that vibe.
0: I want to one day meet Candy Dolfer. I thought yeah. during the whole, like, Batman album era and that whole thing, And when I want sex, I call candy. But when I want sex. And then you start listening to some of her stuff that she has, like on Spotify. And I'm like, oh, damn, I see what Prince saw there. I love that. I love connecting the dots. Yeah. All right. So listen, I I, I can't hold it anymore. I have to ask you about your Paisley Park experience. Oh, That's man. been on my mind this whole time. I never had the chance to go before Prince passed. But since he's been gone, I've gone five times. I'm, ad- I'm addicted. They should be paying me advertising for as much as I talk about it. <laughs>
1: I had, I had tickets to go and then unfortunately I I had a stroke in February, and I had to kind of cancel everything. And then COVID, you know, the whole COVID thing happened, and they, they shut it down. But I told myself, if the stroke is going to have an impact on me, and if if I if COVID gets me, that would be my biggest regret. Never visiting Paisley Park It's something that I've always wanted to do. I had um, an aortic dissection and open heart surgery in 2016. And 2016 was just a horrible year. I mean, just, just all around, you know, we have Prince, then I had my situation and I had another tragedy in my life, but I just knew I always had to get there. So fast forward, as soon as they opened Paisley park back up, wife and I got tickets. Here's the thing. I wanted to savor everything. Like I didn't want this moment to go by and then look back on it and have regrets that I didn't fully appreciate it. So as we are driving up to, um, to Paisley Park, like down the street. I knew I was about to see it on my left because I had mapped out at the route. I wanted um big white mansion. I wanted that playing in the background. So we right, had that open. Right. And right when we kind of pulled up and I, I saw it appear over to the left, I just, I took it all in. And then so we kind of pulled around and because I was driving, I wanted her to change and put on mountains. I wanted mountains to play as I was driving up through the parking lot. And so we get there, and we're one of the first ones there. You have to, you know, get in line. As I stepped into the building, and you see those eyes looking down at you, Mm -hmm. you talk, you said goosebumps before. That's not even a word. You feel his presence when you are in there. You know, and I don't even mean it in an artificial way. I mean it in an inviting way. It's almost as if he's saying, I want to I want to share something with you. He was like he wants to share his music. He wants he wants you to learn about him. That's how I felt when I was walking in there. And then, you know, when you go into that that little lobby area where, you know, you've seen countless interviews and you've seen, you know, just you know on YouTube and everything you've seen. You, I, I felt like I've seen that area before and to actually be standing there and to be able to look up and you see the doves up there and you see the kitchen where, you know, he made some pancakes, <laughs> you know. Right. And then, my gosh, when they take you into the, the studio, you get to see where he was sitting there and, and editing some of those those videos um, and they play some some videos for you. I can't even put it in into words. And the people I, I was amongst about eight, you know, eight other people. And everyone had tears in their eyes, just, you know, it was tears of joy. It wasn't tears of sadness. It was tears of joy that we were able to experience this, that we had the opportunity to experience this.
0: This just overwhelming power kind of hits you. I've been there five times. I'll still get emotional. Mm -hmm. You walk in there, you're in this room, you know, Princess spent lots of time in. There's just all of these pieces of him that have been a part of your life. It's almost like you grow up with a puzzle and then you then you go to this place where all the pieces have been the whole time. You know, there they all are.
1: Absolutely. Going into Studio B, that was the moment. Did that you sing? I didn't see. They, they weren't allowing us to, to do that um, when I was there. But they did play a version. I remember the song, but they played a version of the song where they stri- everything was stripped down. There was no music, and it was just his original voice with nothing, <laughs> nothing else added. And I was standing in there with just five people. You know that he sung that song right there, sitting, you know, you know, sitting behind all that equipment. And my gosh, it, it was one of the most like spiritual moments I've ever had in my life. Um, it was just because it was so intimate. They they do a great job. Um, yeah, the you know do. Do the VIP exclusive tour. They do such a great job of really letting you feel his presence. I mean, that's all I just kept telling people. I felt his presence while I was there.
0: The tour guides, I even hate calling them tour guides because there's so much more. It's not that they they have a very vast knowledge of Paisley Park, but my experience has been they are so understanding and patient with whatever you're going through. They That's wait. True. They let you take as much time as you want. If you're emotional, I mean, they they're right there. They're there for you and they totally get it. I did not expect that. And it, it's happened every time. They have been the coolest people. I don't know what they get paid, but they should get paid more.
1: Absolutely. They are so
0: good at what they do.
1: I um, You know how they let you videotape at the end? You know, when that's you get brand new, that, by uh, the way. They just started that the soundstage. And so, I, you know, friends of mine, you know, they were blown away by the videos and the pictures I had. But I'm telling them that's that was the end. You know, I could I wasn't allowed to take pictures of the things that were life changing to me, you know, seeing that, that the painting, you know, mm-hmm. the painting that he that he had in Vegas that he brought to Paisley Park where he um, shows his influences and he shows um, who he has influenced on the other side. I mean, my gosh, man, I, people just will they'll never know unless they visit that place. I will definitely return. If, oh, I'm, if I'm alive, I have we, to
0: get back. No, we should go together. I would love to experience it with you. I, I would love to get like a bunch of people from the podcast and we go as our own group uh, and, oh, okay. and experience it together. Because oh, I, well,
1: look, one other thing, I went to Henderson. You know, I had to see, I had to see where Apollonia stood. Okay. And, and, but th- it's pretty disappointing well. though, right?
0: It, it's grown over. It's a long ass drive. It's a
1: long drive. Yeah, it is. But I just, I was just so happy being there and driving down that road and 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 having the song Take Me With You play it as <laughs> we're just driving down that road. I, mean, I got it all in. I got it okay. all
0: in. So, so what David's talking about is the actual scene where Prince says, that ain't Lake Minnetonka. Hey,
1: wait a minute. That's... <laughs> uh, hold it.
0: What? That ain't Lake Minnetonka. That actually happens in... This very tiny, I dare say a little bit scary town called Henderson. And I don't know if you notice when you drive in, there's like a big gate where they can close the town. That's weird. It's like an hour, maybe 90 minutes away from Minneapolis. And uh, most of the area is all grown up with large weeds, at least when I went there a couple of years ago. But I, I made it my goal. I was going to go see the Purple Rain house, go see where Apollonia took her top off and jumped in the water. I want to go see it all just like you. And uh, that was the hardest part to find. I cannot freaking believe you found that. But uh, then once you get there and it's just a bunch of weeds, you're like,
1: all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what happened? Uh, you know, the gentleman who made that statue of him in downtown Henderson. I, f- I forget the guy's name, but he gave me specific directions. of oh, how to Oh, that's get cheating. To the spot. It, it just, every, everything just worked out like that whole oh. trip, that whole weekend. Everything just flowed so well and, and worked to my advantage. And that's how the number one thing on your bucket list. That's how it. It's
0: supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, did you go to the Electric Fetus, the record store? Didn't get there. I, I put that off. I put it off. I finally went for the first time like last year. There are so much print stuff there. And the people that work there, they're just so on board with the fact that everybody comes in there and they love prints. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. everyone is so a part of it. I just didn't expect so much love when I went to Minneapolis. I thought people were going to be sick of this Prince thing, right? No, that's not the case.
1: It was weird in, in, in Minneapolis. It was just um, not a lot of people downtown, and um, the buildings were boarded up, you know, because of the, the George Floyd situation. Um, right. Yeah, it was, it was. It was. an. It was an odd feeling being downtown. That's where I stayed.
0: Well, um, Paisley Park, I, I'm trying to pick a favorite moment. If you go on Thursdays and you get the VIP. That allows you to go into Studio B and sing a hook over a Prince song, and they put it on a purple thumb drive for you. Um, You're singing in his mic right there inside that booth that you're looking into. You get to go in there. No one's ever going to hear what I sounded like singing those hooks, but I experienced it. I just want to be in front of that mic. You know what I mean? But when you walk into the area that used to be where he had basketball goals, which is your Purple Rain room that leads into... Uh, Under the Cherry Moon, and then the Graffiti Bridge Room, those outfits on the mannequins and the the motorcycles and the – wow. The Oscars?
1: Cars, the Oscars, yeah. Everything –
0: You walk in there and you're like, geez, man, so much impact on pop culture and the world in music and in movies. You're walking through this realizing, oh, Prince isn't just mine. He's affected the whole world in a huge way. Because, you know, you sit alone, listen to Prince. Prince is mine, right? But then you see
1: all this and you're like, wow. And the thing is, he's not done in terms of his influence. He's not done. I have a son who's a a sophomore in college now. And, you know, he didn't have a choice but to fall in love with Prince having... <laughs> I had to listen to his music since he was in the womb, but he is, he's sharing the music with, um, with his friends in college. And and they're learning about him and then going back and, and researching and his influence is going to be forever. And even then people won't fully appreciate his impact because they didn't get a chance to see him live. I was fortunate enough to see him live over 20, 20 plus times. The impact that it had, he, he just takes you. He takes the whole audience on a on a trip, on a ride. And then when the concert is over, you're exhausted. You're emotionally exhausted. At I the totally end. agree with you. You meet the nicest people in the world out of out of Prince show. Yep, the nicest people. People that are that that kind of vibe vibe with you. You never see any arguing and fighting. And I just mm-hmm. I love the whole thing. And when he passed away. Just the thought that I would never be able to go to another Prince concert hurt me deeply. Maybe that's, you know, selfish of me to feel that way. But just knowing that I'll never have that experience again to go to one of his shows.
0: Now, my first Prince concert, I've seen him seven times, which I guess is a nice number when it comes to Prince. But 20 is way more impressive. (laughs) My first show was in Detroit at Fox Theater. I never remember the name of the tour, but it was during the whole you know, my name is Prince, sexy MF, you know, during that era. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he had no opening act
1: with the gun microphone.
0: (laughs) Yes. The gun microphone. Okay. You'll, you'll notice behind me for, for those of you that are watching video, for those behind me, there's a uh, Prince love symbol guitar. I have a blue cloud. I have a white cloud because credit card debt, um, that elusive gun mic. I cannot find one. That's, I Mm -hmm. must have a gun, mic. Anyway, he performed for four straight hours, did two encores. I drove to Detroit prepared to be let down only because I built Prince up so high my whole life. There's no way this concert would compare to to my expectations. Oh, no. Blew him out of the water. It was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. He never let me down like that. Every show he would perform three or four hours with no opening act, except for the, he did, there was that one tour he did with uh, Larry Graham, where Mm -hmm. Larry Graham opened up for him with his band, uh, Graham Central Station. But for the most part, he would have no opener because he would play
1: for hours. That's exactly what I mean, though. He'll have an impact on them, but the fact that they'll never get to see him live to have that feeling he never disappointed. Mm-hmm. Anytime that I saw him, it was as if you were seeing him for the first time, and, and he was performing for the first time. Um, you knew that he was a little bit—he was a little nervous, but he was also excited and happy to be there. You would never know if he was sick, or you would never have any idea. Uh, the first time I saw him, 1985, at the Cow Palace in in San Francisco, was the—I think it was after the whole Purple Rain thing, and he did have an, have an opening. I think he had um, might have been the Time, and it might have been. Um, apollonia six but when the opening acts were performing it was my, my my big prince moment i saw him i was in an area where i shouldn't have been and i saw him on the back of big chick i guess he was taking yes. him to a certain location to be put up um, to, so you know when he was making his grand appearance but that was the, the first performance and the last one i saw um the welcome to america um here in in charlotte that was the last time I saw him. But so many times in between. And just as you said, he just never disappointed um, his best performance. Um, I saw him at Radio City Music Hall uh, when I was in college and he performed the song, Three Chains of Gold. And it was like a an opera, just the way he had set up the, the whole thing. And then when he sang that song, man, it just brought the place down. Knowing that I'll never see him live again. That's what hurts.
0: When you're surrounded by other Prince fam, it's it's like nothing else. I'm in radio as a career, so I've been to a million concerts. So I know for sure that the way it is at a Prince show is not the way it is at any other concerts. It is not even in the ballpark. Or even when you go to Paisley Park for the tour, you are surrounded by people that are nothing like you, that are exactly like you. I like I mean, the way you said that. Every tour I've been to of Paisley Park, there were people from all over the world. And every tour I've been in, I mean, Japan, Egypt, people from all over. Then there's people uh, that I became friends with that are from, like, Oregon and Maine, like, all over the country. And, you know, got them on the podcast after meeting them on that tour. We would have nothing in common in the way of, like, we are a different race or have completely different backgrounds. Some of which didn't even have English as their main language, but we spoke Prince just fine. And when we go into that Studio B part and they play hooks of Prince songs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It didn't matter where we were from or what our background was because our background at that moment was when we were growing up and maybe we were outcast growing up. Prince made it cool for us to not be like everybody else. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I got out of it. And, um,
1: one one human being could have, such influence. Could have now, such influence on so many people.
0: I've become friends with a comedian named Christopher Titus that I like a lot. When I interviewed him because he was coming to town to do a show, I didn't know he was a huge Prince fan. Then I went to a show and he starts a show off playing an hour of Prince music before he goes on stage. And I was like, what's up? So we had a conversation. Turns out he's a huge Prince fan. And then it turns out that... Everything he does in his career, he models after the way Prince did things. Titus writes everything. He produces everything. He is in control of everything. Nobody is his boss, and he only compares himself to himself in the past. Everything about his success, he claims that he borrows from Prince, which leads me to the question, how has Prince impacted or changed the direction of your life?
1: (laughs) As you were saying that, I was thinking about one of my early projects as a teacher I created. It, it was called, what is the answer to the question of you? <laughs> it was, <Yes. laughs> you know, one of the most beautiful songs um, ever written. Has but, a guitar
0: solo ever spoken to you like that? Oh, I mean, that guitar yeah. solo.
1: But um, it was my way to give the kids an opportunity for me to get to know them. You know, I posed that question to them. What is the answer to the question of you? How would you answer that? And so that just evolved into like a a much bigger project that I eventually turned into something called the Culture Cluster. I mean, he had an impact on my ability to teach. And now that same project, Culture Cluster, I present that at conferences across the country. You know, that man's song has had an influence on the way that I, I educate kids. And it gave kids an opportunity to express who they are and learn more about their culture. And, you know, that's just one example. Like, there's just there's there's so many more. I mean, like I told you, I had, you know, the stroke and I had the open heart surgery. I have, you know, lyrics to songs. They used to be right above my desk that I would just I would read. It just helped me get through days that I didn't think I would be able to to get through.
0: All I could think of, because I guess I'm just a selfish man. All I could think of when you said that was, man, that should have been the Name of my podcast, damn it. The question (laughs) of you was perfect. Yeah. What amazing. is the answer to the question of you? That's incredible. Prince has pointed a lot of us in certain directions. They've, you know, Prince has made a lot of us think differently about the business we're in. Uh Prince has made us all a little bit freakier, let's just be honest. That's a fact.
1: I know a yeah, lot of people. I have a like, lot of girlfriends from college that would <laughs> that would tell you those <laughs> those songs have have allowed them to have wonderful evenings with me. <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: uh Blue Light, I think it could be the story of my life sometimes. Now that we have signed Times coming out. The Deluxe album. It's difficult to pick a favorite album because it really depends on the time of my life, right? Like sometimes I'm really connecting to Sign of the Times, sometimes the Symbol album. But Sign of the Times is one of those works where beginning to end every song I feel like is really powerful from The Ballad of Dorothy Parker to It. Are you kidding me? I love It. Hot Man. thing. But also two of the best love songs ever written, in my opinion are forever in my life and a door. The songwriting and a door kicks my ass. Like, it's just, it's just perfect. Mm -hmm. Even how he throws little jokes in there. Well, maybe not the ride. I mean, (laughs) it's, it's got everything. He's dealing with social issues with Sign the Times and, and he's dealing with sex with it. And then a girl with, I think, possibly autism in Starfish and Coffee And then Love with Adore and Forever My Life, the album has it all. But he recorded so much more during that era. Mm-hmm. And we're mm-hmm. about to get all of that coming up in September. Did you pre-order the the deluxe box set I haven't yet?
1: yet? I haven't yet, but I'm getting on it right after we get off of this.
0: <laughs> now that they've, they've released four singles from it, Witness is a bootleg song I've had for many years. And now I get to hear Witness uh, without all the scratchy tape sound because bootlegs were terrible audio quality. I'm sure you don't have any
1: bootlegs. Oh, no, none, none at all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That Tupperware container in front of me isn't full of any right now at all. All of you Purity Prince fans that hate on bootlegs. I'm sorry. I love Prince too much just to not continually buy anything I could get my hands on. Anything. anything. No disrespect, Prince. But man, bootlegs like the one I got back in the day, way back in the day that had Witness on it, had some of my all time favorite Prince songs on it. And now they're going to be released in high quality audio along with songs I've never heard of. I didn't think that was possible. Mm-hmm. So I'm I mean. really looking forward to it.
1: And I just hope we we keep getting them. You know, I yeah. just I just hope they just keep coming up and I and space it out, man. Like like have a couple come out every couple months just to keep me motivated to keep keep me uh you know anticipating something else.
0: Now I, I'll be honest, I was a little nervous that we were getting screwed on this whole thing because they kept releasing reissues of purple vinyl of all of his albums that we all already have, mm-hmm. and I didn't buy a single one because I'm not putting my money in that. I want I want some new stuff because I know it exists. But then I start to reflect on how they've done things and maybe they're smarter than I thought because the Purple Rain Deluxe album was really good. The mm-hmm. 1999 Deluxe album was really good. And now we're getting the sign the time. Now I'm thinking, okay, I like how you're doing. You're packaging the existing hits along with all of the other stuff he recorded within that maybe year or two time frame, mm-hmm. and putting it in a huge box set. The way they package 1999 with that booklet really awesome like okay now I'm starting to take a breath because I was starting to get mad at all those reissues but the deluxe albums have been worth the money or credit card debt as I like to put it because that's all I have
1: I mean the hope is always that it's not just a money grab for them that they're really doing this for the true fans.
0: That's what makes me nervous about the reissue that feels money grabby to me but getting that new stuff remastered makes me forgive all of that stuff. I can't wait. Now that makes me wonder what's next after Sign the Times because Because I would think a Parade.
1: I was just getting ready to say, give me a remastered Parade. That
0: has to be it, man. Of all these extended
1: versions, like the extended version of Kiss and the extended version of Mountains, some of my favorite music. Give me the extended version of some of those other ones, man.
0: Think about it, though. That's the last album The Revolution did together. Now, Mm. I love all of Prince's bands from Third Eye Girl to New Power Generation. I mean, God, Diamonds and Pearls. That was my jam. All of that. All the MPG stuff is amazing. But, I mean, The Revolution, there's just something really, like, foundational and powerful about that. And that's their final album together. I know there's going to be a bunch of stuff that we are currently unaware of They could go along in a deluxe parade album. I don't know if you've ever heard the acoustic demo of Prince doing kiss.
1: Not sure. Maybe
0: if I were to allegedly have it on a bootleg, I might allegedly send it to you. But when you hear the soul of that song before, you know, before he throws the falsetto at it before, you know, the funky when he's just doing it on acoustic guitar, you're like, Oh damn. It mean it almost means something different when you hear the soul of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how many more demos exist from the Parade album, like there's got to be a treasure trove because that album was chock full of amazing songs, too. I mean, yeah. what, what's your favorite song from that album? That's a tough one, though. I mean, do you have uh, one? Oh, from it's Mountains,
1: Parade? Ma- yeah. Mountains, Hands down. And again, I think it's because of what happened in the movie and what was what had happened in my life. The fact that Christopher Tracy died, but then now he's, he's resurrected with him performing, you know, in the video at the end of the song. And just me listening to it over and over and over and over again, hands down mountains. What happened was, and when I had my open heart surgery, after um, the surgery, when I was coming to, my son would play that song for me, and that was nice. one of the first things that I that I heard as I was um, recovering from surgery. So that that's, yeah, that holds a special place in my heart.
0: And I feel like you know, from time to time, I get to meet certain Prince people. Like uh, not too long ago, I belly danced with Maité. No, you uh, don't. Gosh. Can I just tell you She doesn't have to be an incredible human being She just is i watched her at this belly dancing event it's full of just huge prince fans take the time and be very patient direct eye contact she is in it with every human being that wants to talk to her she must have spent 20 minutes having a conversation with me she is a genuinely good human being unexpected i mean i i knew she'd be nice but she's it's all genuine uh wow I,
1: you now, know what i i swore to myself that Maite was gonna leave prince for me i was <laughs> i saw him <laughs> i saw him perform at the palladium she was up there dancing, and I was standing right in the front. And she was making—you said—direct eye contact. She was making direct eye contact with me, and I just—I knew she was going to be mine after that concert. That same concert, Lenny Kravitz came out on came out on the stage, and they performed "Peach" together, man. It was—it was unbelievable. But yeah, I my, am so I, my, I so you.
0: angry with you right now. What? <laughs> that? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that that's was, the that's perfect great. song for them to do together too. They, I'm they were, that it was Lenny on guitar.
1: They were killing. Oh, yeah. They were killing it. Lenny didn't sing. He just played. He just uh, played. But I was right in the front and just got to take it all in. It was awesome. And
0: I got to tell you, my Tay is the same age as me. It doesn't look that way because she is not aged at all. She is still freaking beautiful and what a quality person. But I think the next person that I would love to spend time with, maybe even have on the podcast, would have to be Jerome. Because oh, Jerome yeah. Benton has been in all of the pr- – he's the only person other than Prince – to be in all of the Prince movies. Under the Cherry Moon, Graffiti Bridge, Purple Rain.
1: I'm a I'm a big fan. He he's he's always tricky to me. He'll always yeah. be tricky. <laughs> he, he's always tricky. I just finished um Wally's book and he he talks a lot about um being friends with Jerome and the time that that he spent with Prince and they spent together. So yeah, I, I would love to see him on your show. I would love to, to hear you interview him. That would be phenomenal.
0: He, no, I Yeah, I've, I've never had a conversation with him either on social media or in person. I've been lucky enough to talk to uh, Lisa Coleman on social media before and Ingrid Chavez, who's very cool. And hopefully I can get them on the podcast sometime. Now, Jerome has been a little more elusive, but I really would like his point of view on a lot of that stuff because he worked so closely with Prince on Under the Cherry Moon. Which was a critical flop, but one of the best movies ever. Prince was so, so funny. And there's so many quotes from that movie I still use every day.
1: Cabbage head, Every day. You just saw different sides of his personality. Like you never knew he had that that sense of humor that he showed in, in Under the Cherry Moon. And um, what I read in in some books is that that was actually that part was was written for Morris. That was supposed to be Morris and um, Jerome Benton. Prince was kind of living out his dream to be that quote unquote pimp that he tried to make Morris out to be. Right. So it was, it was it was very interesting to read I've about. I've never that heard
0: that before, but it makes total sense.
1: Yeah, and I tried to imagine Morris playing the role of Christopher Tracy. How the movie would have been different. You know, I I still I think I still would have enjoyed it, but I bet, I don't know I bet if, it would have done well. I don't know if Morris would have been able to pull off kind of the emotional scenes that 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 Prince did. The comedy, perfect, and you can tell when you watch the movie, you can tell that was for Morris. Like a lot of the the interactions between him and Jerome, but I don't don't know if if Morris, if if it would have had the same impact if if Morris was playing Christopher Tracy.
0: Man, but I'm really curious about it now. I've never considered it before. Yeah, because
1: that was right, that was uh, right when Morris kind of left the Prince camp. And so Prince just, he put himself in that role.
0: One of my favorite parts, I, I just love how Prince was like dancing around this where he was serious and then comical. Like when he shows up drunk, to Miss Wellington's, Mm -hmm. but it was actually a setup, Yeah, Oh, yeah. Chris and Scott Thomas's character, Mm -hmm. why did I forget her name? Sherry?
1: Oh, oh, Mary Sharon.
0: That's it, Mary Sharon. When she sent him over there and her dad was over there, and then that whole reaction where he sets the champagne down and he's messing around in his car.
1: I'm not going to say say the lines because it's a little little salacious, but...
0: Uh, when he's arguing with her before he runs to the payphone to call and tell on her.
1: Mm-hmm. Shut up! <laughs> shut up! <laughs> like, pipe down, pipe down, maybe, but like, shut maybe, up,
0: maybe, maybe, shut up, but shut up! Uh, oh my God! I had no idea, even as a huge Prince fan at that point, I had no idea that that existed within him. And you know, we're starting to hear more of these stories about how Prince was a prankster and and a oh, yeah. very funny guy, but. Purple Rain didn't show us that. Graffiti Bridge didn't show us that. Anyway, Graffiti Bridge was later, but we have more of a series and it was more about his music. And all of a sudden, wow. And those lines, now I can't think. Of, I do love Come the... Re- Re- Reckosto. Oh were, my God. How did I forget Reckosto? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Wanted to buy a
1: Sam Cooke album. Where would, where you, would go?
0: you go? <laughs> See, that's kind of a quiz on how you can tell if somebody's a true Prince fan. Sorry to use the word fan or not. Is if you start to quote the recasto, if they can't finish it, they're out.
1: <laughs> and see what happens. I, I quote that movie all the time. People have no idea what I'm talking about, and I don't even care. As, it's, as long as I'm, I'm amused by it, it's all that matters. <laughs> right.
0: I've used the bathwater line to uh, to failure. That one doesn't go over with people very well. Guilty. I've used, <laughs> I've used. If Anything other than human, I'd be the water in your bath. Mm-hmm. People look
1: at you in a weird way after you <laughs> use that one. Especially yeah, they important. have those little of whiteboards in college on people's doors. I've written that on many whiteboards outside of people's doors before.
0: As far as your Prince journey, is there anything I haven't asked you that, that you think might be important?
1: His music has been the soundtrack to my life. Like it's he's helped me through a lot of sad times. Um, you know, he has the positive, uplifting music when you need it. He has a celebratory music and he has the, the music for like when you're re- getting ready to go out to a party. You know, I used to listen to Human Body all the time from Emancipation. I love that was my getting ready to go out to the club or something. He had there's just there's a song for everything. And right now I, I'm, a, I'm a facilitator at school. And so at my desk, I like to play print songs. But I have to make sure um, they are songs that are <laughs> that I know where I, you're going. Able, yeah, that, that, you know, I'm able to play in school. But it just it puts me in the mood to be positive when I want to be. Positive. It it puts me in the mood when I'm when I want to do other things that we probably can't even talk about here, you know, on this podcast. But it's the soundtrack. That's just the bottom line. It's the soundtrack.
0: You know what? And I don't think we talk about emancipation enough. That's a three-album set. He he experimented a little. He made each CD exactly sixty minutes long. He, he did a lot of things just to be a little bit different. But there's something about the driving beat to songs like Human Body and Slave, and just all these uh, uh, Sex in the Summer, where he used the heartbeat of his of his baby, and and it was just funky, like one
1: of, wow. of his most underrated songs soul sanctuary one of the most underrated songs. that it's a poem it's an extended poem
0: and his his version of one of us by joan osborne Mm -hmm. is incredible never have i heard a cover i don't want to say outdo because that that's rude to joan osborne who's a super awesome person but that cover is just freaking
1: amazing what about bet you by golly wow yeah he kills that as well
0: yeah the emancipation album does not get the attention it should There's so much on it. The email song. um, Yeah, there's so much on it. I feel like each disc is a slightly different flavor, too, by the way. I always seem to default to disc three for some reason. That seems to be my go to. Mm -hmm. But I love them all. So I built a playlist to work out the Nothing But Prince music back when you know the good old days when we could go to the gym, and I realized that like half of the playlist is from the Emancipation album. The driving beats are just incredible on that thing.
1: I end up loving the things that um, critically were were to- we were, were told to be terrible. I, I love the Black album. People say what they want. I love the I, I love listening to the Black. Album. I can listen to the Black album over and over and over again, and they destroy it. Like I told you, Under the Cherry Moon. That's my favorite movie of, of all time. When I tell that to people, they think I'm crazy. Some people just don't understand
0: a bucket filled in it. Squirrel meat. I get it. Yeah. I, you know what? That's how I feel about chaos and disorder, chaos and disorder. I think that album is smoking. There is some serious music on that chaos and disorder. And then I like it. There are incredible print songs, but then like,
1: I will, I, the the lyrics to, I will, they're, they're above my desk right now. Like when I was, like I told you, when I was recovering, I would look up and I would read it and I would tell myself, I. I will get through. I I will get through. I'll I'll make, I'll I'll make, I I can get past this day.
0: You know what? We're going to leave it on that inspirational note. David, thank you so much for spending time with me, man. I really appreciate it. This has been a great conversation. It's
1: been fantastic.
0: The My Prince Story podcast is recorded in my Prince basement in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at My Podcast, or on our official website, MyPrincePodcast.com. Please like, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcasts that will help out a lot. Peace and be wild. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer.